sexy little monkeys, and welcome to this week's episode of Romance in the Wild, A Thought with Thoughts. Um, and boy, do I have some fucking thoughts. Uh, this week we are talking about Verity by Colleen Hoover, and I would like to start off by saying, what the actual fuck? Like, what was this book? And none of you thought to warn me? Like, nobody thought, like, hey, maybe I should warn her about what's about to happen, because this shit was wild. Um, I mean, I think that this one might even need a little bit of some trigger warnings, um, and, yeah, uh, child abuse to the fucking max, um, violence, um, it's manipulation a trigger warning, because I'm just gonna throw that in the mix, um, this book was insane. It felt very Gone Girl adjacent to me, um, which I enjoy because I think Gone Girl is an excellent book, um, but I, I don't even know where to start. So I guess from the beginning, um, Lowen, is, just a refresher, Lowen is a, a writer, um, she's an author, and with, you know, very limited fame. Her book was pretty well received, but um, she seems to really hate being in the spotlight um, and seems to suffer from a lot of social anxiety and things like that. Um, And the book also starts with kind of the realization that uh, she's been caring for her dying mother, who um, just died a week prior to the opening of the book. And that first scene where she sees a person, a man, have his head (laughs) explode like a, like, like a popped zit. Um, that was a lot to start a book. And I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I feel like I am the type of person and have the type of luck that I would also witness a stranger's grotesque death and be subjected to their blood splatter. But anyways, um, she meets Jeremy, who works to take care of her and like kind of clean her up and everything and she still somehow goes to her meeting with her publisher which I'm sorry like that right there kind of indicates to me that this is an unreliable narrator because if you can see somebody be fucking killed and still go into a business meeting um yeah you kind of have some weird priorities there but I get it she's struggling for money um, and yeah, so she goes into this business meeting and lo and behold, the man that helped her, Jeremy, is also part of it. And his, um, wife, Verity, is, Verity Crawford is a famous author. She's written a, what sounds like a suspense thriller type of series, um, that's been wildly successful. And Lowen is hired on to basically the, write the final three drafts of the book, um, or of the series. Because Verity is brain dead. What? And um, and then also, they had three kids, a set of twin girls and a son, and the twin girls are dead. What? I bet I know who did it. Um, so, uh, Lowen is paid a fuck ton of money to take on this project. So she goes to, and she's evicted out of her apartment, and la la la. So she goes to Vermont um, to stay and start collecting notes from Verity's uh, office about 
these final three books. And then that's where shit just gets absolutely bonkers. And I'm going to go into this with the argument that I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure that this is a romance novel. Because the RWA, the Romance Writers Association, defines a romance novel as having an emotionally satisfying ending and the main character's um, love story being the central theme of the book. And I'm going to say that that was not met with in this novel, but I'll get to that. So she goes to Vermont and she starts staying with Jeremy and Verity although brain dead, is still being cared for at the house. And they have this huge mansion house, and the house is depicted as kind of having a very sinister spirit about it, right? And shit gets crazy from the start. Verity is kind of staring at her in a not-so-brain-dead type of way, and pretty soon after that, she discovers a manuscript that Verity had written. And the manuscript is actually an autobiography, and that's, like... It's basically this full disclosure and this storytelling of how obsessed she is, Verity is, with her husband, Jeremy, how much she hated her children, and the fact that she basically tried to murder one of her daughters as an infant and then succeeded in murdering her as an eight-year-old. And um, it's a little horrific. And, like, this is one of those novels that after reading it, like, I felt like I needed to like, scrub my skin raw. Like, I felt very weird about it. And, like, I needed a hot shower and just, like, laying in fetal position because it was very dark and twisted. And I think one of the things that I I struggled with reading this one was I was not that invested in Jeremy and Lowen getting together. Like, I was way more interested in the chapters where we're reading Verity's autobiography and like kind of getting into her sick and twisted mind than I was reading about Lowen become attracted to Jeremy. And one of the things that I found most interesting about this novel was just how morally ambiguous every single character was, except for maybe Crew, because he's five. And yeah, otherwise everybody was like, Oh, a weird little fucker. So let's talk about Verity. She is absolutely, absolutely obsessed with Jeremy. Like, like I said, Gone Girl adjacent, like just there, there's one quote where she's talking about how having him in her life, um, as if I'd been standing on the edge of a cliff my whole life. And finally, after meeting Jeremy, I felt confident enough to jump. And she talks about how it's because she knew that she wouldn't fall like she would continue to fly and everything and he becomes like her source of happiness and joy and she said she's basically feeding off of his soul and his love and devotion and I mean obviously that's minorly problematic from um you know an emotionally sound relationship aspect um and then she does like all this crazy shit like super super manipulative like she moved in with him without talking about it. And, like, shame on Jeremy. Like, if I invite my significant other to move in with me and they're like, oh, I've already moved in. I broke my lease two months ago. Like, I, I don't care if they then start to seduce me. Like, no, you stop everything and you talk about that shit because, 
what? Who does that? Like, yeah, so what if she had been staying there every night? Like, you still have that conversation. Red flag number one for Jeremy, like, you dumb fuck. There, you know, there we go. Um, but, you know, things are great. They fall really in love and everything. La la la. She writes her first book. And what I also thought was interesting about that was the fact that he read her first manuscript she ever wrote. And he's like, it's so good. It's so amazing. I think he says he wants to fuck her mind, which I thought was interesting. But then he says he never wants to read another one of her books. And I, I felt like that was like a weird kind of plot hole sort of thing, personally, because you don't read something that, you know, especially your significant other does and like praise it and, you know, basically propose after you exp- like you're talking about how much how amazing you thought it was. And then you never read another one of their books like, I don't know, I just felt like that was a weird dynamic there. But then um, he does propose and um, they end up conceiving that night and Verity explains it as like basically the night everything transitions, right? And so Jeremy's attention is no longer focused on her. It becomes this overwhelming love for his unborn children, which is very normal. And I thought like a really profound scene in this book was when she asked him if he loves them. The like so she's pregnant and she asks him if he loves the unborn children more than her and he answers honestly and he's like yes I do my love for you is conditional my love for them is not which was really fascinating foreshadowing because you know she says her love for him is unconditional or she feels that way at least um and she hates them and then hearing about her attempt at a um at a clothes hanger abortion was so disturbing to me and like just that that was the part of the book where I was like what the fuck am I reading like this is this is a crazy book and I was really disturbed by that part I'm not gonna lie that really like upset me um but it's unsuccessful and she ends up having the kids and she doesn't bond with them at all and it's really horrific how she's treating them and like just the total neglect and abuse and all of that. But it's kind of what you're expecting at this point. And through reading all of this, you're also seeing how she's trying to connect with her husband through through sex and like how that's like the only thing holding them together because there's such this huge divide in their focus of love and attention. Like Jeremy is this really great father. Like I will give him that. Jeremy is super flawed but I do believe he's a really good father. And I mean, you know, that that's like made very obvious throughout the book, but like they have this huge divide now in their devotion. And the only way that they come together is through their sex life. Um, and so <laughs> then you read about how she does finally bond with Chastin, I think is how you pronounce the name. Yeah. Chastin and Harper, but she bonds with Chastin because of this dream, right? Where Harper basically kills Chastin. And then she goes and tries to, like, suffocate Harper, which was so fucked up. And, like, I, I feel like even to think about, like, just having that thought in general is just really, really fucked up. Because, you know, throughout hearing, 
the the twist at the end of the book and again this is a very spoiler filled podcast so stop listening now if you don't want to know how it ends but that last bit of at the end of the book where she says that the whole autobiography was just a writing exercise like I don't buy that shit for one second like I I feel like and I do write and maybe I'm just not a great writer because I could never do an exercise like that where I am writing about murdering my children or attempting to murder my infant child. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just think that that is insane and like such bullshit. Personally, that is my personal opinion. And if you're a writer and think that it's doable to write about murdering your children, <laughs> then, you know, DM me because I would love to, I would love to pick your brain. But anyways, I'll keep going with the plot. Um, And so then, um, you know, we see, we see through the autobiography, the downfall of their marriage, right? So Chastin is, she dies from an allergic reaction to peanuts. And then um, Verity, Verity murders Harper, um, but she saves Crew. Um, because she thinks that with just one child, like, Jeremy could still be happy, but his attention would be more focused on her. And, um, and then, you know, Jeremy kind of puts the pieces together and realizes or believes that Verity murdered, um, Harper. And then, um, you know, it closes with that cliffhanger about her saying she's just going to wrap herself around a tree or, you know, run her car into a tree or whatever. And so then you assume that she did it. And throughout this whole novel, um, you're getting Lowen's perspective as she's, as she's reading this, right? And she's in this house and it's creepy as fuck. Like, it's so creepy. But I, I do not, I mean, I think that Lowen is just as crazy is that version of Verity that we see in the uh, autobiography is. Like, I think Lowen is a crazy fucking bitch. And, I mean, here's why. Like, number one, I think, you know what was, like, the final straw for me with Lowen? You know, yeah, she, I totally get going there for the money. I totally get that she didn't have an apartment to return to in New York because she was evicted or whatever. And so, yeah, camping out at this nice house with the hot dad, hot daddy, you know, um, I get it. Like those things I could be like, okay, sure. But some of the shit that this girl pulled makes her just absolutely crazy. Number one, um, (laughs) sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Um, I would never under any circumstances, no matter how much I sleep walk, I would never allow a man to put a lock <laughs> on the outside of my bedroom door and lock me in at night. Like, no fucking way. I don't care if it is my partner I, for life. I am not giving some guy the power to lock me in a bedroom because I do not trust that shit for one second. And so when she let that fly with Jeremy, I was like, this bitch is fucking crazy. Like, this is either some codependent bullshit or something because in what world would you ever willingly let somebody put a lock on the outside of your bedroom door? 
And again, this is all my personal opinion. But at that moment, I was like, this girl, Lowen is nuts. Lowen cannot be trusted. <laughs> she has way too much faith in Jeremy. And then the other part that I was like, absolutely blown away by um, her, her and Jeremy, obviously, which are technically our hero and heroine and who we're supposed to be rooting for, they start boinking. And when she takes it upon herself to, um, you know, obviously there was that not talked about, um, no protection sex. So she's not on the pill. He didn't use a condom. And they don't talk about the fact that, like, he um, blew his load in her <laughs> after the fact. But then she, like, puts a pillow under her hips to, like, let all that drip in there and everything. Like, God, that, that too, I was like, whoa, she is really, she's equally as manipulative of Jeremy. Like, she, t she thinks that I can provide Jeremy with everything he needs. Like, all of this pain, I have the power to take all that away and, like, let me try to get pregnant and, like, be the person that he needs or the wife he wants or the mother of his children. And, like, I could get that if they had been dating for a couple years or had even gone on a date at that point. <laughs> but this, but Lowen has just, like, decided, you know, I'm going to do that for him. I'm going to be, I'm going to be his new baby mama. And I'm going to take away all his pain and all his hurt. And like, you know, I mean, obviously there's, there's obviously a risk already because they had unprotected sex, but like just her reasoning with that, I was like, wow, she is really, she's like, she's manipulating Jeremy. Um, and then I did, I did enjoy how well the tension was created in this novel. Like I was freaked out especially with just, like, how creepy Verity was the whole time. Um, I mean, they, like, Colleen Hoover did a great job of creating the suspense and the fear and the thrill of all that. So, you know, huge kudos to them. But like I said, this book was so morally ambiguous for me. And, like, damn, did I struggle with that. And, you know, this really made me question, too, like, it made me take a step back as a woman because while I'm reading this, I don't even, and I feel so weird saying this, but I did not blame Jeremy for the infidelity as much as I did blame Lowen, like, which is so shitty of me. Like, I'm embarrassed to admit that because obviously he's the one that's cheating on his wife. But that was one of the things I struggled throughout this novel, like reading reading Verity's autobiography, I'm, like, way more invested in just kind of, like, the progression of Verity and Jeremy's relationship and kind of, like, the downfall of their marriage and, like, obsession with each other. I was so much more invested in that than I was in Lowen and Jeremy getting together because it made me really uncomfortable having Lowy, uh, that's their celebrity name, Lohan and Jeremy getting together because Jeremy is still married and I totally understand the point about like she's she's brain dead you know for as far as Jeremy's concerned she's brain dead 
like, you know, and the idea that he can never find happiness again or whatever while she's still alive or, like, find another um, relationship. But I think what I have a problem with is, like, I don't even know where to start with this. I have a problem with the fact that his brain-dead wife is, like, in the house and he has taken it upon himself to be devoted and, like, show devotion to her as a husband and care for her throughout the rest of her days and not put her in some sort of facility or anything like that. But then the first woman that comes along, he, like, has an affair with. And I think that that's the issue. But, but you see, that's, that is Jeremy's fault. <laughs> I'm all over the place. But it felt, like, odd to me that Lowen was so willing to insert herself kind of in, like, the absurdity of this situation. Like, Lowen is supposed to be this damaged woman, right? Like, she's kind of has these, she has a really messed up relationship with her mom and, you know, childhood trauma and things like that. She's super socially anxious or just anxious in general and everything. And so to be so willing to insert herself into this really complicated and really messy relationship bothered me and I think like part of me was like girl you can do better like you can find somebody that doesn't have a brain dead wife that he's taking care of and a five-year-old son and like this really messy history and I also felt like Jeremy was probably exceptionally emotionally vulnerable in that situation and so for her to like come in and insert herself the way she did god I don't know I sound like an asshole right now because I'm like totally blaming the woman I'm not totally blaming the woman. I think Jeremy kind of fucked up too. I guess moral of the story is what I'm trying to say here is I wasn't a huge fan of their relationship. And like, I didn't think that it was right. And as a romance reader, that kind of defeats the purpose of why I read in the genre. Like, I, I love the outside elements trying to tear a couple apart, but it felt like they came together under really... um um, messed up circumstances that I couldn't get behind personally. And so that was one of the main things that I struggled with. I'm not a fan of infidelity under any circumstances. And I do blame both Jeremy and Lowen for that. But I also felt like Lowen wanted to pursue it and wanted to insert herself because she became obsessed with Verity and with Jeremy. Like, I think that she, through reading the autobiography, became obsessed with their story that she wanted to insert herself even more into it and she kind of wanted to be part of like this sick and twisted thing because it was really exciting to her because she had so many opportunities to get out and she never took them you know like if I am as freaked out as I am by this house and I'm like fairly confident that this woman is faking being brain dead and then I'm reading that she looks like she killed her children I'm getting the fuck out of that house. Like, I don't care how hot this dad is. Like, I'm getting out. And that's just me. But I think that she was, like, a really twisted character. Um, and I think that Jeremy was a really twisted character, too. I will say, Jeremy was a great dad. And I kudos to that. Love me, you know, an attentive father. But he... I think he was just as obsessed with, like, the idea of Verity, too, you know? And so, and, like, the, and who, who he wanted her to be. And he turned, I think, I don't even think he turned a blind eye to her craziness. Like, I think that he kind of thrived off of it, you know? Like, 
He knew that she was like this powerful and controlling and manipulative person, but it gave him a lot of like sick thrill to be manipulated by her. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's my feelings on that. And, you know, to quote Nene Leakes, close your legs to married men. You know, it's just not, it's just not a mess that you want to get involved with, in my personal opinion. Um, and so, and also, can we talk about, like, how fucking potent Jeremy must be? It seems like every time he has unprotected sex, he gets a woman pregnant, which I just think is hilarious. Like, you know, I mean, it, it works right away with Lowen, and it worked right away with Verity, like, the two times. Um, so, you know, kudos to Jeremy for that. Um, okay, so that brings me to my other, just all the questions with this book and this ending. Um, I felt like, obviously, the ending is supposed to make us think and have us be very confused. Um, is Verity crazy? Was she telling the truth in her autobiography? Was she telling the truth in that letter? Like, obviously, we don't know. But my opinion is the real Verity was the one written in the autobiography. And I think she wanted, I think she wanted that to be found, you know, like in a weird manipulative way. She wanted it because it would be, you know, it, it added this like unique element to, to her, who she was as a person and blah, blah, blah. But I do not believe that she wrote that autobiography you know, just as like a writing exercise. I don't believe that for a second. Because number one, I have a hard time believing that any normal person would pretend to be brain dead for months on end, even if you're convinced your husband is going to like turn you into the police or whatever. Like, it, it is too insane of a commitment to pretend to be brain dead than it is to just, like, try to explain the truth. And, you know, the truth will set you free, folks. The truth will set you motherfucking free. And so that right there, like, I guess even if she didn't kill her kids, like, the fact that she is nuts enough to try to pretend to be brain dead for months on end, like, you know, that's a, that's a weird person. And that's a messed up story. Um, and I'm also going to say that it, it, it just fits so well that this letter would, like, it would have been a good escape letter. You know, like, it could have been, I don't know, I mean, I know her endgame was to end up with Jeremy, and so I just think that the letter was too, too easy to, it, it would be so much easier to be a crazy person and write that letter pretending to be sane than it would be to be a sane person and, like, come up with, you know, talk about, like, shoving your fingers down your infant's throat. Like, that was just so horrific. I can't get past it. I'm sorry. I really can't get past it. Um, and I also think that there's too many, like, holes in this idea that she was just, like, biding her time. Because even in that letter, she mentions that she thinks Jeremy is a great father, right? And he is. I will, I will own that. Jeremy is a really good daddy. But if he is a good dad... You would think at some point Verity would recognize that Crew is in good hands with his father, and instead of, like, hatching this bizarro plot to somehow transfer money into her bank account, which I didn't fully understand, like, 
okay, so I guess the advance would drop from the new book, and then she'd transfer it into her own bank account and then take crew and run away. But I, I don't think, I don't see why she would feel the need to take crew because she knows that Jeremy will take care of, of, of him. Um, she knows that Jeremy will be a good dad to crew. And like, at some point she has to recognize that like taking crew with her would be, let's say she does love her children and she is a good mom. It would still be so detrimental to, to like uproot crew and take him away from his dad and then live this life on the run than it would be for her just to make an escape by herself i think and so that whole part of the letter where it's like i've just been biding my time because i knew you would try to kill me and la 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 you also have to think about like if she was as depressed you know like i can't imagine the pain of losing two children you know like i can't imagine how awful that would feel like as a mother and so at some point you have to like question her will to hang on too you know like like I don't know I digress with that with that thought I won't go there but I don't buy it for a second that she was actually sane and this was all just like the world's biggest misunderstanding but what I also don't understand is how Jeremy had, he had read the manuscript before Lowen showed him, right? And that's why he, like, faked, um, that's why he faked Verity's suicide and, uh, like, you know, basically crashed the car into a tree and stuff. Um, if he had read it previously, why was, like, Lowen showing it to him this trigger to then go and kill Verity? Like, why did it set him off to that extent a second time? Like, and I felt like that was a big hole for me as well, because, like, was it just really painful to relive that, or was his whole intention, like, this whole time to find a way, like, like maybe he had so much guilt over the concept of killing Verity that he needed this accomplice in it, and so he wanted Lowen to find the manuscript? I'm not sure, but I don't understand why he would, one, keep Verity around at all. Because he's under the impression that she killed Harper, you know, and, like, basically has been this neglectful mother their entire life and, like, manipulating him from the start. So why would he feel any obligation to keep, like, her shell of a body in their house? You know, like, he really thinks that that's going to be better for crew. I don't buy that shit either. So I thought that was really fishy. And then I also, like I said, I don't understand why he got set off finding the manuscript a second time and like did he just feel the need to react to keep Lowen in the loop I don't know I really want answers do you guys know because I am like so confused by all this and I'm so confused by his motives as a character and like as a father for all of that and that was such a big hole for me that like I struggled with this alternative ending that he already knew about the manuscript and that he had already tried to kill Verity I guess technically like twice. And so I I think that that's another reason why I don't think Verity's letter at the end is true. But I do think that regardless, Jeremy picks some toxic fucking women to be with. And I um I you know, I worry about him. Like I've been thinking about him a lot. I'm very worried about his current state of affairs with Lowen. Um I like to hope that she, you know, is a good mom and everything, but you never know because 
she became so obsessed with this concept of Verity and Jeremy that, like, I think I really lost sight of who she, and I think that this was intentional, but I lost sight of who she is as, as a character as opposed to, like, her desire to possess Jeremy as much as Verity did. You know, even, like, even when Jeremy and Loen are, like, intimate for the first time and all that stuff, she's still thinking about Verity and Jeremy and, like, how she can, how she can possess Jeremy more than Verity ever did. And I think that if you love somebody, despite what they, you know, who they loved before you, like, you can know that they love you best as they're with you. You know, like, you don't have to erase the traces of somebody in the past in order to be loved in the present. Um, and so that right there I felt was, like, a really manipulative motive and everything like that. I don't know. This book fucked with me. And so <laughs> I want to talk about why I don't personally classify this as a romance. And so... The big things the RWA, Romance Writers Association, stresses, um, to be classified as a romance, you need an emotionally satisfying ending. Um, I think that, like, there's supposed, I think there's a clause, like, no, no harm to children or animals. I'm almost positive, but I need to double check that one. And then the central theme of the book is the hero and heroine's um, love story. And I don't think any of those apply because, one, I was emotionally dissatisfied to the highest degree with that ending. Like, I mean, obviously, I just have so many questions. Like, I'm not sure any of this even makes sense because I'm still trying to process everything that happened. But, yeah, I mean, if you were, I really, if you were emotionally satisfied, please message me and, like, try to make me emotionally satisfied because this shit is sticking with me. Okay, that was my first little bit. Second, I didn't feel like the central theme of this book was Loen and Jeremy falling in love. I actually felt like that was just like a subplot to it. And the whole, the main point of the story was this look at the domestic realm and like how we have this preconceived notion of like the perfect nuclear family, right? Like, from the outside, Verity and Jeremy have two beautiful twin daughters and a son. They have this huge house. Verity is this career woman who also happens to, you know, provide beautifully for her family. Um, and, you know, Jeremy is this super supportive father and everything like that. And it just goes to show you, like, when you pull back that curtain of the domestic realm, like, all of the shit that's going on in there. And I think that other books that do this are, like, Girl on a Train uh, or The Girl on a Train. Gone Girl does this really well. Um, Tana French novels, um, their mystery novels, she does a really great job of kind of looking at like this dark underworld of the domestic. But I think that was the main theme of this book. And I think that it was more of the love story of Verity and Jeremy than it was Loan and Jeremy and like the sickness of it, you know, because I don't think either of them really loved the other. It was more of like this obsession to control which obviously isn't what love is about. Um, and so because of that, I don't, you know, I was way more focused on that plot line and the intensity of that than I was in um, Jeremy and Lowen finding each other and like kind of um, conquering these outside obstacles of um, Verity faking her brain deadness. Um, <laughs> 
am I the only one that feels this way? I don't know. I feel like I might be the only one that feels this way. And all I can say is this book has me fucked up. And I like, I stayed up until 2 a.m. reading last night. And then I literally had the choppiest sleep because I was just sitting, I was having all these dreams about it and like how fucked up it was. And it was wild. And like, I know, I felt it was um, a bit heavy handed at times, like talking about how authors separate themselves from their characters and stuff. And like, I know that that's important because a lot of people don't get that where it's like, it is you know, world building and creating characters and things like that. Like, it's not, you're not writing about yourself when you write a story, obviously. And I think that, um, I, I'm going to theorize that maybe Colleen Hoover was kind of putting that in there as a message to her readers that she isn't quite as, like, she's not her characters and she's not fucked up in this sense or whatever, but it felt a bit heavy-handed at times. Um, but I do think at some point, like, I don't know. Everyone was just a really unreliable narrator in this book, and I want answers, and I don't think I'm ever going to get them. And this has just been like one fuck cluster of a podcast because I am so confused. And like, what is the truth? Verity, are you crazy? Are you not? Was should I mourn you? I don't think so. I didn't like you that much, but I was really fascinated in how your mind worked. Um yeah. It was wild. And I'm not sure how I felt about it overall as a book either. Like, <laughs> I, I should just title this podcast, I Don't Know What I'm Feeling, Send Help. No, I mean, I think overall this was, I've never read a romance like this. Um, and I don't think that there's like, you know, a comparable romance title. I did feel like it fit in well with kind of that Gone Girl theme. Um. But overall, I'm going to rate this one like three and a half stars just because, you know, my personal motivation for reading a romance is to fall in love and to have like that, you know, to watch that love story and that, um, you know, overcoming the obstacles and having that emotionally satisfying ending. And so that didn't happen for me in this book. It was really well written, really well thought out, like great twists and everything. But I think... Yeah, overall, that's where I'm going to stand on this one. And I'm really curious um, how everybody else felt about it. And if you, like, completely disagree with everything I'm saying, I would love to hear from you because I want to talk about this and, like, you know, get some, get some closure on it, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, some closure would be nice. So, because this first week was a wee bit heavy, um... <laughs> I am going to um, be covering the kiss quotient um, on next week's ep or the next episode in two weeks. Um, I'm really excited. I can't believe I've waited this long to read the kiss quotient um, because I mean, I everybody loves it. Like I haven't heard anybody say that they don't love it. Um, and I also think that it will have that emotionally satisfying ending that I'm looking for. Um, and I am super excited, too, because it's an own voices novel, which I think is incredibly important in any genre of fiction or nonfiction, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, I'm really, really excited to talk about this one and kind of gush about it. Um, and I hope that you either give it a reread or a refresher or read it for the first time with me. Um, and I'm really excited about that one next week. Um, and again, my, if you ever want to reach out to me on 
um, Instagram or on my blog. You can find me at Romance in the Wild. Um, and please feel free to let me know all your thoughts. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, yell at me, whatever. I, I want to know and I want to have discussions about this. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great two weeks and I hope you read some really great books. Love you, bitches. <laughs>